0: Take your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, as Bradley said, John just uh, preached through the end of these chapters as he concluded the Luke series uh, back at the end of 2021. Uh, Now, as I was looking at the passages concerning our Lord's resurrection and and uh, this Lord's day particularly I uh, decided well you know what I want to and it's my prerogative so I'm going to and so we're back in Luke and uh, and we're going to enjoy looking at this this passage so follow along as I begin reading in verse thirty three uh, as they have led our Lord to Golgotha. And we read this in verse 33 of chapter 23 of the gospel according to Luke. And when they came to the place that's called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, that's Jesus, said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled at this, for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance Watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud. And laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. But... Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God endures forever and forever. Let's pray. Father, we are glad that your word endures forever. And we are thankful that we have this opportunity in this quiet place to hear you speak to us this morning. Give your servant Clear speech, and may your spirit take these words and pierce our hearts, bringing us great joy that indeed he is alive, he is not dead. We ask this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Our guest will not have heard me said, say this before unless you've listened online. That I say this to the covenant folks often that uh, we talk too much like the world. We think too much like the world. And I could illustrate that in a lot of ways and I catch myself even from time to time. But for today, just one simple illustration. We talk about our lord in the past tense we talk about our faith in the past tense we say things like well when i was i believed in jesus that's past tense and whatever you did 10 years ago 30 years ago 40 years ago as wonderful as it may be is only confirmed if it's still true In other words, we should say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust him, present tense. See, our faith has to be alive and living. That means present tense, not past tense. We have a whole world religion devoted, and it even creeps into Christian folks sometimes, of wearing a dead Jesus on this little pendant right here. He's not dead, folks. He's not on the cross. He's alive. Did you hear what they said? Why why did you come looking here? In the the midst of the dead. He's not here. He's risen. This morning I had a text from a, a friend. And all it said was, he is risen and I replied he is risen indeed don't talk about Jesus as though he were still on the cross or still in the grave he's not we just sang about him he's at the right hand of God the father almighty from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead so if anything this passage should remind us today that as we go out into this dark and needy world, we should proclaim to them a Jesus and a Lord who is alive and well. Don't talk about Jesus as though he were dead. Let's go out into this dark and needy world this week, living like he's alive and well. Some of you children, when you know your dad's around, you live differently than you do when he's not around. I could ask your mothers and they would testify to this. Some of you live differently when your mothers are not around. But you live differently when they're both right there. that ought not to be the way we live you children should live the same way whether mom's in the room or dad's in the room or no one's in the room and so we as believers should live the same lives holy acceptable unto God lives because he's alive and he's in the room He's with us. He said, I'll not leave you as orphans. And then as we go out into this dark and needy world, we need to speak of our Savior and his salvation in the present tense. Again, not saying I believed when, but I believe now. Yeah, but we've learned so much discovered so i believe now i'm more convinced of the resurrection now than i've ever been i'm more convinced of creation ex nihilo in 6 days and it was all good that i've ever been and no no evidence contrary to that would ever convince me otherwise I'm reminded often of that little simple little song Michael Card did on his very first album that was a hundred years ago now. There are a few folks old as I am that remember this Jesus loves me, this I know. Now how does the, how does the little song go in Sunday school? Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. But Card's twist on this was this. Jesus loves me, this I know, not just because the Bible tells me so, but because in my heart I know it so. See, we have the Bible that tells us, but then we have the Spirit testifying with our spirit. So as we go out this week, hopefully these points, two major points, some subpoints you see them printed there, that we cover here in the next very few minutes will enliven us to live a resurrected life. Remember, that's how we're supposed to live. The book of Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. That's the resurrection at work in us. So first, the Christian faith confesses the death of Christ Jesus. The Christian faith confesses the death of Christ Jesus. That's what the first large section that i read at the end of chapter 23 was all about and we saw there that Christ's death involved the sin of man and the wrath of God as we were reading beginning in 20 in verse 33 we read about these men who were scoffing at the lord the people stood by watching but the ruler scoffed at him saying he saved others let him save himself they're sinning because they're committing blasphemy in there's in in that is a sin. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up, offering him sour wine. They were taunting him. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. They'd even slapped an inscription over the top of the cross. This is the king of the Jews. Now it was true, but they were saying it in mockery because they didn't believe it. One of the criminals who were hanged with him there railed at him saying are you not the christ save yourself and us all of this all of this sin is actually why he was on the cross and then there's that one now one of the other gospel writers tells us there was a point where they were both railing at jesus right luke gives us simply the history of the one railing and the other that has now come to this point of believing there on the cross in the midst of all this confusion that's going on he's become convinced no this is the son of the living god this is the savior of the of sinners and he he simply says would you remember me today and jesus says i'll not only remember you you will be with me where i am this day And when Christ's soul ascended into the heavens at that point where death came, so the soul of this man ascended into heaven with him as well, into paradise. It involved sin. But it also involved the wrath of God. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, because it was now the sixth hour. And if you look in your margin of your Bibles, you'll see that that tells you that in our time, uh, that was was about noontime. According to our time of the day, it would be noon. It was the sixth hour or noon. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That would be until three in the afternoon. The sun's light. Failed, The curtain of the temple was torn in two. There's a lot taking place here. But the thing I want you to pay attention to is what happened? Why did it turn dark? There was not a storm that rolled in. It says that the light failed. The Lord God, you know, can control the sun. We read of it back in the book of Joshua. Where he helped his people prevail in a war by holding the sun up in other words pausing the clock and here he does the opposite he brings darkness why because it was a dark time y'all the wrath of god was being dispensed upon the son of god divine wrath that which we all deserved was being poured out upon jesus christ on the cross darkness through the whole bible often references sin and sinfulness and the depravity of mankind and here it is in all of its all all of its its greatest most heinous expression sin and being placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, our sin, your sin, my sin. And the son failed because the wrath of God was being dispensed upon him. So not just the sin of man is spoken of here, but the wrath of God is seen in this very action. And then you see also the voluntary act of the son of God. Jesus said, calling out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Did you notice that? Having said this, he breathed his last. See, those men didn't kill him. In fact, if you go to the book of Acts chapter 2 and that great sermon that Peter preached on Pentecost... Peter says to those men standing around, all the Jews, you crucified and killed this Lord Jesus by the hands of lawless men. But then Peter turns right around and says, but this Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So so how did Christ come to die? Was it because of the sinful men The soldiers who put him on the cross? Not able to breathe? Or was it by the definite plan of God? And the answer is yes. Was it the wrath of God being poured out upon him? Or was it the Lord saying... I commit my spirit. The answer is yes. In chapter 19 of John, we read that wonderful, it's it's another one of the seven sayings of the Lord on the cross. He says in the perfect tense, it is finished. I've accomplished everything. And then it says... And he breathed his last and gave up the ghost, or gave up the spirit in the newer translations. In other words, Jesus, even this dispensing of the, of the hell of God, the wrath of God upon him for our sins, wouldn't have, wouldn't have defeated Christ. All the men in all their atrocities couldn't have killed Christ had he not willingly suffered unto death. That's remarkable, isn't it? That's why grace is amazing, y'all. Notice that it was witnessed. This was not just two or three people uh, becoming complicit and telling a story and saying, hey, you know, we could put together quite a yarn here and we could tell quite a story and probably make some money selling some books. Did you notice all the people, all the people that witnessed this, There was the centurion first who's there standing guard to be sure nobody took him down off the cross. And in fact, we see this man, it appears, converted right here on the spot. He praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. And then it says, and all the crowds that had assembled to watch this spectacle. Some Some of you like Western movies. And you know, there's always that hanging. Almost always a hanging or maybe there's a shootout at high noon and the streets just fill up with people to watch it they just can't get enough of the blood and the gore and that's what's going on here they they were there all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle when they saw what had taken place they returned home beating their breast they were dismayed by this beating the breast in the in the, in, the, in the time context here, was, you know, this was awful. I deserved that. I mean, they recognized what just took place was wrong. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. I mean, if you start adding that up, it sounds like something akin to what we read in first Corinthians of all the people that were witnesses to his raised body to his resurrection life. Those 40 days after the resurrection multitudes upon multitudes and they're all telling the same story only God can produce that. If I were to come down to Lillian right now and whisper in her ear something and tell her to tell Jason and Jason pass it on back, by the time he got right over here to Bill Prater, it would not resemble what I told her. And yet, for 2,000 years, the same message has been passed on down, 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 and it's still the same today as it was when they saw it happen. On that day. That's amazing. Here's what it means. You say so, so it means you can believe it. And it and and it means you should believe it. Because this is the only thing that will make a difference between heaven and hell for you and for me. Christ's death was witnessed by friend and by foe. Christ's death was confirmed by his burial. They put him in a grave. They put the cut stone over it. And this is a cave in the side of a hill with a slab carved out in the stone. And they would have laid him right on there in there in the, in the slab. He's not underground. He's, he's above ground. He's right there on a slab in that, in that cave. He's wrapped in cloth. He's buried. He was dead for our sins. That's the past tense of this passage. Now we come to the present tense. He was crucified. He was buried. But he is resurrected. And forever shall be. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. See, they didn't do what they normally do, that is prepare the body for the burial before it's wrapped in the, in the shroud. It's wrapped in those, in those multiple cloths because he died just as they were entering in to Friday afternoon. The Sabbath begins at 6 o'clock and ends at 6 the next morning. So, they didn't do that because they didn't want to violate the Sabbath. So, they prepared them in those last couple of hours of the daylight, and then they hold on to them until the first day of the week dawns. That would have been 6 o'clock on, on that Sunday morning, the first day of the week. And they go and they find him raised. I want you to notice in those first four verses what we read. Particularly in verse 4. They didn't find the body of Jesus. Verse 3. While they were perplexed about this. Behold two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ folks. Is perplexing. It confounds human reason. Don't try to make this natural. I encounter a couple of people almost weekly and they have come up with all sorts of natural explanations for almost everything that happened in the Bible. They sound like good old-fashioned liberals, theological liberals who had a good rational, Answer for most everything. And folks, I'm gonna tell you what the resurrection is not irrational because a reasonable God did it. But it's beyond our finite minds to comprehend. And here's why. We're all empiricist, and we've never seen it happen. And because we've never seen it happen. It's hard for us to believe. We all act like we're from Oklahoma. You know, every state's like that though. Oklahoma shouldn't get a bad name for it. They just they just revel in it. You got to show me. That goes back to Thomas, doesn't it? Human reason is defied by the resurrection. We confess it, but it's as mind-boggling today as it was on the first Sunday morning when he was found missing from the tomb. It was a supernatural event, and it is a supernatural truth. I say this all the time here. Christianity is a supernatural religion. If you want a natural religion, there are there, there oodles of those. Bookus of those. There's plenty of naturalistic religions. But there's only one supernatural religion, and that's Christianity. And right here's the hinge pin the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that if Jesus Christ was not raised, then we of all people are to be pitied. We have no hope without the resurrection. If Jesus didn't live a perfect life, you have no hope. If Jesus didn't die on the cross for our sins, you have no hope. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, you have no hope. And if Jesus did not ascend to the heavens and is not currently seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us continually that we may be saved to the uttermost, then you have no hope. If you take away any one of those elements, you have no hope the eternal Son of God, the Savior of sinners. He did all that for us. Christ's resurrection confounds the human reason, and we come to it by faith. Christ's resurrection also testifies to divine power. We're not going to take time to look, but there are several passages in the New Testament that speak of this. Jesus said it first, three days after you tear down this temple, speaking of his own body, Three days, I will raise it up again. Jesus says, I'm going to do it. Elsewhere in the in the New Testament, we're just told that God did it. It's a reference to the whole triune being. Other places, the spirit raised him. Which is it? Yes. It's a divine exhibit of power that raised him from the grave. But this is a remarkable thing. This is a this is a you want to talk about mind-boggling and divine power. When Peter goes in, when Peter goes in and he looks at this, the women had already seen. They 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 looked in. They didn't see the body of Jesus. Peter goes, and we're told this: there's a little addition to, to what's said earlier. Uh, Peter goes in, stooping, looking in. He saw linen cloths by themselves. Now here's, here's, here's what we're getting. John tells us in chapter 19 that the face cloth had been removed and folded nice and neat and placed over to the side. But that they saw the linen cloths but no Jesus. You say, okay, whoop de doo The linen cloths are are there as though there's a body in them, y'all. They had taken the shape of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way they wrapped them. And Jesus had just (laughs) out of those things. Now, if you and I Try to get out of a mummified state, we couldn't. And if somebody else got us out of it, they couldn't pull us out without taking all the wrappings off of us. Now you getting it? So they see the linen cloths laying there on the, on the stone slab as though there was a body in it. Some of y'all don't look very amazed. This is remarkable. That God would tell us all these details so that we wouldn't just think. And listen, there's been all sorts of things posited through the years. Well, someone came in and stole the body. Remember, that's exactly what Pilate told the guys that were supposed to be protecting it. told them, just tell them somebody came and stole the body. Well, the people who saw this, Peter, the women, they'd say, no, nobody stole that body. That body just came out of that, that wrapping. We know what happened. Do you notice, too, sometimes we have to be remember, reminded of what God tells us. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the son of man has to be delivered into the hands of sinful men, he crucified and on third day raised. He he and on third day rise and they remembered his words. So when we remind you around here, your elders and your deacons, and when you remind one another, don't you remember what the Bible says? Don't 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 get upset. Don't have your feelings hurt. Just remember these women. They were reminded and then they remembered. We just need to remember, to be reminded sometimes so that we can remember what we know that's true in the Bible. Finally, Christ's resurrection demands a human response. And so the question for us all is how are we going to respond to this? That he was crucified by sinful men, determined by God. He gave up his life willingly, voluntarily, submitted to death. He didn't die because it was too hard for him or because of the pierced side or because of the shed blood. He died because he so chose to die for us. Something he had determined from before the foundations of the world that he would come and do for us. How are we supposed to respond to the resurrection and the amazing things that we've just seen in this passage? Well, Peter's a good example. Peter rose, he ran to the tomb, stooping, looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves... And he went home marveling. If you can hear this, if you can can read this, if you can hear this and leave here unchanged, there's something bad wrong with your heart. And you need to ask the Lord for a new one. Here's the beautiful thing. If you ask the Lord for a new heart, he'll do it. That's what the spirit of the living God is in the business of doing, is taking the old heart out and putting a new heart in. So it pulses with the truths of the Bible and the grace of God who is in person Jesus Christ. And that's what the resurrection is supposed to produce in us, amazement. So when we sing about grace, we don't just sing grace, how wonderful the sound! But we say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you know that grace? Do you know this Savior? Father, we ask that we'd all leave this place with on our lips those words, He is alive, and that we'd be amazed by it that we'd live every moment this week in the present reality of the risen Savior and Lord, that we'd believe the history, that we'd live in the present reality of Jesus, and we do all this because you've given us faith upon faith upon faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.